0: Recovery is not a solo endeavor, it's a team sport. You need a community around you to cheer you on, to lend an ear, to pick you back up when you fall. That's what Foundations Recovery Network's Life Challenge Program is here for. We are a positive, motivational community aimed at breaking down life's barriers and celebrating the accomplishments along the way. Our motto is, dear life, challenge accepted. Are you up for the challenge? go to lcaccepted.com or call 615-221-5861. That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and
1: emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised.
0: What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in and thanks to you for supporting the show. It's great to be back. Uh, Always happy to bring you sober guy radio from Northern California. So thanks to everybody for supporting the show and the recovery movement and uh, really glad to be here today. Very grateful. We're going to start with some gratitude. Always a good thing. Uh, Real quick. We had a damn good time at the innovations in recovery conference down in San Diego recently. Um, we really met some great people, made some great connections. Uh, we we uh, put out some content, which I'll get to in just a minute. Um, we saw some great things, too. The family came down. We saw Budge training live on the beach in Coronado. Uh, which was just phenomenal. I don't know how those dudes do what they do, but it was pretty amazing. Um, We watched a Pelican shit on our neighbor's balcony twice, which was quite interesting. Uh, We did some shows on video game addiction, on treatment, um, all kinds of good stuff. Talked to Patrick Smith from Orange County Recovery Services. Great dude. Uh, Paid $6 for a bottled water and $28 for three tacos, but I guess that's Coronado. So a beautiful place. Uh, what a great time. We, like I said, we, re- we released all 11 episodes. Those just came out recently and you can find those and more resources at, uh, www.thatsoberguide.com as well as on iTunes. Uh, thanks again to all who participated in the event. And, um, of course, thanks to Foundations Recovery Network for having us down. Real quick, and then we're going to get to our guest today. One of the tools that I use is Transitions Daily. It's a daily AA email, and it's delivered right to my inbox. Really a great way for me to start my day, and I'm sure it would help you out too. It takes me about five minutes to read. It's one of my favorite tools. You can go to dailyaaemails.com for more information. And then also be sure to check out the new treatment program, DXRX. Uh, DxRx provides access to alcohol treatment specialists, safe medication, and ongoing monitoring for people who want to stop or reduce their drinking. And it's all done through a simple phone app. If you go to thatsoberguide.com, you'll see the DxRx logo, Stronger Than Alcohol, on the right-hand side. Click on the logo to get started today. All right. Today's guest is Zach Gowan. And uh, Zach is one of the most inspirational athletes in the world, overcoming a broken home, childhood cancer, leg amputation, Um, as well as drug and alcohol addiction. He's the world's first one-leg professional wrestler, former WWE superstar, uh, former American Ninja Warrior contestant, which I can't wait to tell my daughter Lucy about because she loves American Ninja Warrior. She's like practicing it in the backyard. Um, Now he's an inspirational speaker with Cool Speak LLC, carrying a message of hope to students across the country and works with the Range of Motion Project, which gives amputees and developing country's access to proper prosthetic care Uh, he lives in detroit with his wife and his two uh, boys age one and four zach my friend so stoked to have you on today dude um i gotta say I don't know or didn't know other than like Jake the Snake and Hulk Hogan and like the classic wrestlers back in the day. Dude, like you have uh, you have quite the uh, persona in WWE and professional wrestling. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And of course, um, your uh, your struggles with alcohol and drug addiction, too. So thanks, man. Thanks so much for joining the show today. It's a pleasure to have you, my friend.
1: It's it's an honor and a pleasure to be with you, Shane. Thank you so much for having me. Shout out to Buddy C for making this happen out in Georgia.
0: Yes, buddy. Yes, man. So cool, man. How how he connected <laughs> us and uh, uh, God's doing some amazing things in uh, in all of our lives, and it's just uh, really really cool. So uh, yeah, it's um, how did that happen? By the way, you guys met at a uh, at a conference. I understand.
1: Yeah, there was a, there was a big recovery convention in um, in the uh, Detroit area where I'm from and where I live, and uh, well.
0: Part of we the recovered, a, the recovered podcast, right? Yeah. Yes, Buddy, Buddy is a,
1: a major contributor to the recovered. Uh, yes. Cast, that's awesome. Which, Shout uh, out to them. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Mark and, and the crew uh, there. And uh, I, and I'm on there quite a bit as well. Um, and so that's how, that's how we got to know each other. And then he came up from Georgia um, to do uh, help us do the live podcast. It was our first live podcast in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> which was interesting. Wow. And a lot of fun. Cool. And uh, yeah, we did that at the conference and buddy was there. We got to talking and buddy's like, Hey, you got to meet my buddy, Shane. And I'm like, sure. I'm down to meet anybody, man. <laughs> any, any like-minded individuals at any time I can yeah. uh, share in some, some experience, strength and hope, and then uh, dive into the solution. I'm, I'm all for it, man. So, uh, so this is how that came to be.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out today to sit in with us, and I'm really excited to uh, share your story and uh, get to know you a little bit. Um, one of the things I found on YouTube, man, as I was doing a little research for this uh, conversation, the top 30 moves of Zach Gowen in the WWE, man, and uh, so I think some older stuff too, even before WWE. But, dude, like, how do you do what you do, man? Like, what is it? What does it take? Uh, physically, mentally? I mean, it's pretty amazing. Thank you. And I don't know (laughs) the answer to your question is, I don't know.
1: Uh, People ask me all the time, they say, you know, how do you wrestle on one leg? How is that possible? And my answer is, my answer is simply, I I don't know. I've never wrestled on two. So I really, (laughs) there really isn't, I can't compare it to anything. Um, I do know that I, um, since a young age, I've I've had a drive and a determination um, and a passion for professional wrestling. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, growing up without a dad and without a leg and uh, as a cancer survivor, um, I felt different and I felt yeah. ugly and I felt defective and I felt like I didn't quite fit in um, to anything. Uh, but all of that, all, all, all of those feelings and emotions went away when I engaged in professional wrestling, when I watched it, when I sat into the magic of it. Um, and, uh, and, 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 uh, and and so, so that, that love developed at a very young age. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to train and, uh, and, 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 and go at it, then I, uh, obviously I, I, hopped at the, uh, no pun intended, but I hopped at the opportunity yeah. and, um, you know, everything kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of came from that initial determination and love of professional wrestling.
0: Sure, man. That's, uh, that's some legit stuff right there, dude. And it's, it's inspiring to hear and especially, um, just knowing kind of what you've been through. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, one of the things I want to address first, I'm getting a little bit of feedback, uh, from, from sound. So I don't know if it's your mic on your headphones, maybe if it can kind of, um, it may have just been moving a little bit, but just, uh, just a heads up on that. And then next to that, one of the questions or thoughts that I had Hello? jotted down, there you go. You there, Zach, sorry about that. Zach, there you go. All right. We got Hello? you back. Gotcha. You. you there?
1: Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry perfect. About
0: that. That's okay, man. Um, all, it's all part of the experience. I love it, man. Um, this, tech, Hi, yeah. dude, this tech stuff is so crazy. Like buddy, we just did that conference down in San Diego and, uh, and buddy was helping me, um, do the Mixler, uh, live chat and all that stuff, dude. I must've done like 10 sound checks. Everything was legit to go. We were going to go live and I went to, I went to go live on the first day of the conference. And boom, I don't know what the hell happened, but something happened and I had no sound from our guest and it was just kind of one of those things that just, you, you can't really understand or explain. You just got to roll with. So point being, while I get to rambling completely off the subject is tech shit happens and it's all good. So, um, yeah,
1: I don't think we're quite there yet. <laughs> I, I, I think we're about five to 10 years away in terms I mean, of like Bluetooth technology technology and all all the tech and communication and video and all that stuff like the idea is great And we'll get there someday, but I don't think we're quite there yet.
0: Nope. I agree, man. We're close though We're close. So we'll keep plugging away um, what so what let, let me get back to the point here one one of the things that super important part by the way or point Um being that we've had we've dealt with this in our community just last week um with uh With kids who are either going through things, um, in their families, uh, dysfunctional homes, alcoholism, addiction, um, being bullied, um, and, uh, and they end up taking a route of, um, of suicide and we just had something recently, like I mentioned in our community. It is is extremely difficult to to hear um, and to uh, to to address. How do you how do you talk to these kids, um, you know, and let them know that there's hope and that there are people out there like yourself who have experienced um, adversity and struggles and bullying um, and have been able to come through it and actually come out on top and be able to give back. Um, I guess the question I have for you is um well there's two parts to it how did you deal with that as a kid that adversity um being picked on i know you'd mentioned that uh before in one of the interviews that i had uh, saw and then what advice can you give today to a kid out there listening who might be going through some stuff um where could they turn
1: yeah i didn't deal with it until at, at, at an advanced age um until i until i got sober and until i you start started working on myself then I was really able to dive deep and, and and clean up all of that crap and all that baggage that I carried for a very long long time, you know. Um, and the, the most important thing for me um, in recovery is the ability to ask for help. Yeah. Uh, not and not only ask for help, but be able to receive help. And uh, and that's such an important component to working through situations because. I don't know about you, but I am I'm under I'm under the belief that life is too difficult to handle on my own. I agree. <laughs> like <man. laughs> like and, and and I think that's a universal thing. And um, for me, the most important thing was to get that uh, to have that role model or that mentor or that somebody who's been through similar experiences and found a way out, um, and that person sharing that with me. Um, and and that's why I consider consider the work that I do with Cool Speak in terms of talking to these kids, um, going into these communities where the biggest problem uh, in these community in these communities it's not a socio economic it's not a race thing. The biggest problem is the lack of male role models and and and, it, and, it, and it's and it's broken homes and not a lot of structure or discipline at a young age within these homes. Um, and so being able to to interact and connect with these kids and not, not only speak to them or do workshops with them, but stay in contact with them after the fact um, that I can be, you know, that uh, a strong male role model. And that's so important for, for little boys to have, yeah. uh, but maybe even more important for, for girls to have, too, uh, so they they know what a, uh, a healthy adult male looks like and what that relationship looks like. Um, and so that's why I consider the work that I do more important in in terms of speaking and getting into the community more important than than the wrestling and the Ninja warrior stuff. Um, it's actually making a connection with these kids and hopefully making a difference uh, in their lives and then the people around them too.
0: So when you're in there speaking to this group of, uh, of, of young adults and kids, um, do you, do you talk specifically about some of the things that you went through as a kid?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So I talk it, about, I, I'm sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, if, if you would, can you, would you mind elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Not at all. I talk about my, my first memory in life is, is me hiding underneath, underneath the sink in the cabinet at three years old, watching my dad, uh, rough up my mom, Damn. you know, and, and that's the first memory I have in my life. My, yeah. my dad, was an alcoholic and an addict, um, and uh, the, the home was, was an abusive home, and it wasn't safe, and, you know, that, that, the whole idea is, is for a home is to have the sanctuary where you can go and get that love and support, and I never had it. Um, and so by talking about this, what I do is, uh, what I try to do is, is, is lift the stigma or the shame um, and shine some light on the pain of it all. Um, and to me, uh, it, that resonates with a lot of kids because a lot of kids are in similar experiences or have gone through similar experiences, but they don't know how to talk about it, yeah. um, and that's that's their normal. You know that that's what their normal looks like, and 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 to me, that's unacceptable because, um, as a member of the community and as somebody who's been through that, and as somebody who's reasonably happy and useful now, I see it as a responsibility to carry that message that yeah you know, life happens to us. Um, it's not always how we plan. Uh, but life isn't about what happens to us. It's about how we respond to what happens to us. And then I want to equip these students with the, with the tools and the know-how uh, to ask for help, to receive for help, um, and to, uh, and to take action. And this is, this is all stuff that I learned in recovery. I didn't know any of this stuff yeah. <laughs> until, <laughs> un- until, uh, until I, 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 I started that journey of recovery. Um, and so, so a lot of it is is still carrying that message. And and what I do, I mean, if you're, uh, if if you're in a 12 step program and you come to one of my talks, you've probably heard everything I've said, you know, I, I, I'm really just taking the message of, of, of what I've learned from recovery and bringing it to these kids. I think it's applicable and I think it's universal and I think it's needed.
0: Yeah, man. Um, one of the things you mentioned about the father figure, and I had a, a buddy of mine, Trevor on the show a few episodes back and. Um, he had talked about at a, a, life change event that, um, that he helped, um, facilitate and, uh, and, and do some prayer at, um, he said one of the main, the main things that these grown men were coming up and asking for forgiveness for, and for prayer for was he said almost every one of them. And there was a lot of them. Cause I've been to the event previously. Almost everyone was something to do with their dad, something to do with their father and, it is such an important aspect for us as men, and, and I think for for um, for girls too, for little girls when when they're young, to see that father figure. And mind you, you know, being a dad is is not always the easiest thing in the world. But um, you know, we, we learn as we go, and and we try to do the best we can. Um, at least we should be trying to do that. Uh, how much do you see that in? And I know you kind of mentioned it already, but how? I guess more t- more to the point, um, to kind of focus in a little bit on that. How much are you seeing that when you're going into these schools um, about uh, with these kids? How is it? Is it most of them? Is it half of them? Is it all of them? Like, what are you seeing in the ones that are really struggling? The lack of a father figure in their life.
1: That's that's number that's the number one offender in the uh, in, in a lot of these schools in which I go to. Uh, uh, I go to the uh, inner city a lot: Philadelphia, Chicago, hmm. um, Detroit. And that's the number one issue that I see. It's lack of role models, lack of leadership, lack of healthy adult males, uh, passing on their experience to these little boys and little girls. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's what I experienced too growing up. Cause it wasn't just my dad leaving at four. Um, my, I had a stepdad, but he was, he, uh, he was emotionally just so unavailable. Um, and, you know, he instilled a lot of discipline and some abuse, too. Uh, but it was never there was never a foundation of love and there was never like an understanding of what well, I thought I was just being punished and I was a bad kid or something, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I never had that connection with a with a with a male role model until uh, I got into recovery, until and, until I started the journey of, of, of getting sober and, and staying sober. Um, and 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 that was hard for me because. When you have a lack of uh, of male leadership, for me, um, I got angry about it, and so I was—I was a—I was had a discipline problem, and I was always in trouble in school, and I had complete lack of a uh, of respect for authority, and I was always in trouble with teachers, with principals, with school bus drivers, with the police, all of that. Um, and I see how it's all connected now. At you know, going through it, I didn't. Um, but you're, you're, you're really setting up a kid for a lifetime of struggles if you don't have that leadership and that role model, that figure there to, it doesn't have to be their dad. It just has to be somebody there to show them what a healthy adult male looks like.
0: So Zach, I want to, I want to back up just a bit. And, um, you know, we, we, I think we'd mentioned in the, in the intro, um, that you had battled cancer when you were a kid. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and then how that kind of changed your life?
1: Sure. So when I was eight years old and a uh, soccer ball collided with my left knee and it was it sprained my knee completely. And uh, and over the course of the next seven, eight, nine months, my leg never healed. Um, in fact, it kept breaking and re-breaking and I was in a lot of pain and we couldn't figure out why. And so finally they did a pretty um, they did a biopsy where they, they cut me open and it took some cell samples and all this stuff. And the results came back that the reason why my leg broke in the first place and the reason why it never healed uh, was because of a tumor growing on my left femur right above my left knee. Yep. And it was, so it was a late diagnosis. Um, and so the only course of action to uh, to give me the best chance at seeing my ninth birthday, um, they had to take drastic action. And that was the amputation because they were afraid that the cancer was going to spread to the rest of my body yeah. and kill me. Um, and so, uh, so it happened r- right after the diagnosis, I'm saying like six weeks after that, you know, I, I wake up one morning without a, without a leg. Um, do you find it and, ironic uh,
0: that like a soccer ball found your knee and like broke your, broke your leg? You know what I mean? That whole process there is kind of amazing in a, in a sense and not amazing in a good way. Obviously you lost your, your leg, but it isn't a good way at the same time because, what if that soccer ball never hits you and breaks your leg? You know what I'm saying? It's just kind of right. ar- ironic, man.
1: Yep, and that's and, and we never know what 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 an event will lead yeah uh, lead to. We never know, you know. And that was certainly the first domino uh, in in the chain of dominoes that got knocked down. But um, yeah, and and the thing about this too, because a lot of kids in that hospital where I was at Children's Hospital in Detroit had the exact same cancer I did and -hmm. they didn't make it out. Really? They didn't make it out. Yes. Uh, So many of those children. And and I and I I carry their their spirits and their stories and their message with me uh, wherever I go, because for some reason or another, I made it out Um, and I have a voice and they don't have a voice. Um, And so I I try to carry their memories with me wherever I go. And I try to honor that uh, because I had no say in whether I lived or died. You know, um, and and that's and, and that even extends to my uh, my drug addiction and alcoholism. I had no say whether I lived or died, or or if I surrendered um, to the process of recovery. Like. I had no say in that. Whatever yeah. came first came first. You know, we t- we tell people all the time, well, you have to surrender. You have to surrender. And It's not something you can do on your own volition. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's a, a surrender. Just have to. It's something that occurs. It's an event. It's not something that you can kind of create within yourself. Um, and so I, I was gifted the gift of uh, of surrender. And um, and just like when I was a kid, I was gifted the gift of life um, because if my Point is this if 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 they if they discovered my cancer early on uh they would have performed a limb salvage where they would have gone in and removed the tumor and then put a rod where the bone was and not have two legs um but to like three or four of the kids that had that surgery in the hospital with me the cancer came back uh they, they didn't get it all the first time um and then they, they died so it, it was almost. I look at I look at it as a blessing that it didn't get diagnosed until so late in the game, where they had to take completely drastic action, yeah, uh, because yeah. that that's because that saved my life, you know. And uh, I, obviously, it's a it's a terrible situation, and I can't I can't wrap my mind around it uh, even to this day. And I, I'm not sure if it's for me to wrap my mind around. Yeah. Um, but what I what I do know is that I have the responsibility uh, to carry the, the, the message of hope and survival, uh, to people that need to hear it because that's the, that's the deal I made with God. You know, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I, I, I'm God's uh, hands and foot as the case may be. <laughs> I can, I can, I can carry that. I can carry yeah. his message, um, here in the physical world. Um, and, and, in return, he has, has given me, um, a life, uh, full of, uh, joy and, and liberty. Yeah. Um, and, uh, to me, that's a very, it's a very fair trade. That's, and to me, that's what grace is, you know, and not, not, not getting what I deserve, so to speak. And, uh, and there's a lot of gratitude at the foundation of that.
0: Well, I love that you point that out and that you carry that message. Number one, in, uh, kind of an honor of those, of those who, you know, didn't make through that struggle of cancer, like you said, when you were a kid. So you keep that, um, at the forefront. I'm assuming that probably drives you, uh, you know, or that's a, that's a component of what drives you, uh, to a lot of the work that you do. Uh, and then on top of that, the ability, uh, to recognize when God gives us a gift and when, and, and when God gives us something, um, that that may seem like uh, well, just even addiction at first. I mean, there's a great example of people who have fought through addiction and have been able to uh, main, maintain sobriety um, and turn around and give back. Um, I, I look at that for me, just something like that as a gift. You know, um, I'm getting a, a ton of feedback from something on your uh, on your uh, end, Zach. Oh, I'm sorry. That it's- that's okay
1: i'm i'm in the car and it started raining Oh, so there's, that, that, there's, a, I, there's a sound of rain hitting the windshield
0: i was wondering i was like man is he like typing or something right now what, what, no. what is that i thought maybe you were like so talented you could speak and type that shit as fast nice. as you could speak <laughs> speak type awesome, and drive man. at yeah. the same time like, damn he is one talented dude about it it's all it's all good man we're gonna roll with it rain rain is rain Um, but, uh, anyways, man, I just, I I love that you, that you kind of focus in on that and you point that out because that's obviously a huge part of, uh, of recovery. and, And buddy has really been able to, um, to, uh, encourage me on this and, and show me some things about being powerless and understanding that, um, you know, that, that God does have a plan for us. And when we kind of give it up to him, things, things will tend to fall in place. And those things might not always be good things too. Right. I mean, those like things with adversity uh, at the same time but um so let's kind of fast forward a little bit you fight through uh through cancer my son's in the background going crazy back there too he's yeah, he a little, is. little animal <laughs> uh, that dude is off the hook um but uh y- you fight through the cancer as a kid you lose your leg um you know You already kind of talked about going through some of that stuff, which I can't even imagine what that was like being a kid and having to deal with with punk ass other kids who who are kids, too. And they probably don't know any better, a lot of them, um, but they're probably not not the nicest uh, to you. Um, I mean, can you touch on that just a little bit more before we before we move ahead? And I want to jump into wrestling and kind of how you got into wrestling and how that part of your career actually started
1: yeah absolutely and it's interesting and and that's what it's kind of counterintuitive um i was never kind of picked on or bullied anything like that Mm -hmm. because even like the worst kids they had a limit they drew a line in the sand really which is like yeah we're like we can't pick on the kid with cancer who has one leg like we can't go that far that's good to hear (laughs) because i was picturing these little
0: bastards just like giving you hell and i wanted to go back in time and like uh smack the crap out of them
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> no, man. No, oh, good, no. Good. I never. I, ne- I never really experienced any of that. Um, the the pain for me came just in terms of how I felt about myself. You know, hmm. like I said, I felt you know ugly and defective and and weird and on the outside looking in um, due to the experiences that kind of happened to me. Um, so that 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 that's where the that's where the pain came from. It didn't come from really other kids. The community was supportive. The schools were supportive. Um, so it was very but, internal
0: uh, then. Very internal, yeah. in- insecure, and just kind of dealing with self and figuring out uh, who you are as, as a kid and uh, this person who's different. And man, dude, I can't imagine what that's what that's like. All
1: that, yeah. And then and then try to go try try to go through high school with that with that feeling and and that baggage. Try to try talking to girls and learning how to dress and dance and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was painful. The whole thing was painful.
0: So how did, how did you kind of transition into, um, in, into step? Well, I know you've already mentioned this, that you didn't learn a lot of this until you got into recovery. So I I kind of, I know we're kind of all over the place here, but we'll we'll get to that. I think towards more uh, into the conversation towards the end, but how do you transition into um out of high school and you, you, you already have a love for wrestling um what happens that takes you into a career in in wrestling you know doing this this career that is um you know it's it's extremely physical and uh there's a lot to it and you have one leg you've been through this you know this cancer and all this stuff like how do you how, how does your life start at that point
1: well i uh I was always a really good athlete, but I never had an outlet to show that off uh, because I couldn't run and keep up with my friends in basketball or football or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it really wasn't until I started wrestling in high school that I found an outlet for me to to get creative with my athleticism. And um, and my, my, my love of professional wrestling started way before that. Um, and I knew that I wanted to go to wrestling school and I wanted to get trained to be a wrestler. That's all I knew. And I credit a lot of my success to me being extremely naive. Um, because I uh sorry it's raining really hard. Man, now. I know I was
0: gonna say it is pouring right now. It's all good yeah, man.
1: Bad, bad. Uh, can you still hear me?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's that uh, that's just God showing us some love. He's letting us know he's here in the combo, <laughs> I think man he's saying What's up I, fellas? What's up yeah, homies? We're, o- <laughs> we're open to it, aren't we? Yeah.
1: Um uh, yeah, so it was never an option it was never an idea for me to have a career as a professional wrestler. I didn't get into wrestling because I wanted a career uh-huh. or because I wanted to inspire people. I got in for very selfish reasons, which is I love professional wrestling and I wanna be a part of it and I wanna be a professional wrestler. Yeah. Um and so but once I got into it and I trained and I learned that I could there was something there in terms of uh, my story and connecting with an audience, and using um, the art, so to speak, to engage and connect with an audience, and 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 I realized how marketable that was. Yeah. Um, that's when everything kind of took off. So I got signed to WWE less than a year after I had my first match, wow.
0: uh, which is
1: incredible. Most guys take seven to twelve years just to get a look, and yeah. you have to hone your craft and and, and evolve and get better and make connections and grow. Um, but for well, yeah, me it because, happened right away
0: because part of it is not only the physical aspect, which I'm sure is grueling, but there's also the character aspect of it. Right. So, I mean, you have to have kind of both of those and for you to do it within a year is pretty amazing.
1: It's unbelievable. And, and it, and it really speaks to the marketability of being the first fill in the blank in history, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever that is. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, WWE saw dollar signs right away. They scooped me up really, really quick. show me on TV with Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Vince McMahon and uh, John Cena and all those guys. And, uh, Dude, and, yeah, I uh, saw... It, was,
0: I saw, yeah, it went zero, zero to 100 real quick. <laughs> well, I saw the video of Brock Lesnar hitting you with the chair and then banging your leg on a steel pole multiple times. What, the, what was that like, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Painful? Yeah, I bet. Uh, I was like, "Geez, man, what a, this this?" And he, man, he was a mean-looking dude in that. He he wasn't giving you no mercy.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm grateful that happened when I was 20 <laughs> rather than 34. You
0: yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, the body definitely responds differently uh, at 20 versus 34.
1: It's unbelievable. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong. You know, obviously, in a physical sport like that, there's a lot of uh, injuries and uh, and pain, like you said, from getting your leg hit on a pole, Um, and various other types of uh, of of abuse that your body takes in uh, in a career like that and in a job like that on the day-to-day basis. it, from from what I little the little knowledge I have and I'm gonna let you school me on this of course, but the little knowledge I do have is that um, obviously there is some medication involved when uh, in trying to recover, trying to deal with pain. Um, is that kind of what led to to your addiction um, or was there something else that, that that started from? Yeah, no,
1: it wasn't it wasn't the pain. I took uh, pain pills because I liked the way they made me feel. Um, I didn't I, I never took them because I was in pain um and uh and 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 so what really uh catapulted that was my drinking i I fell in love with drinking um and it was it was when i was with wwe uh so you know you're on the road you're hanging out with 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 guys that you know are in their 20s late 20s we're performers we go to bars there's the women aspect of it there's you know we're all making money um it's a giant party so to speak uh, or at least the guys I was hanging out with. That's kind of what we did. Yeah. And uh, so it really started with, with drinking and that whole, um, the whole kind of escape from uh, from what we did, and kind of went along with the with the job. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, you're on national TV, and uh, and for me, <laughs> like, I was a kid in the candy store because <laughs> I was so because I was so insecure and weird. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I'm literally like a year out of high school uh, where girls would talk to me or even if it, if, even if they did talk to me, it was, I, I wouldn't talk to them because I didn't know what to say. And yeah. it was, it was awful. So now you have, you know, women throwing themselves at me. Um, and, and, and I'm the popular kid and I'm on TV. so, so my whole, my whole lifestyle changed dramatically, you know? And, uh, and, and so, so the partying just kind of became part of it, but it, it, it never was like problematic. Um, it, it took a while for it to develop oh, into like uh yeah like a, like a habit you
0: know well I, love, um, I, you know? I, I appreciate yeah. your honesty too and just saying like no I just like to I just like to get high or I like to drink you know what I mean like at that that's how it started and I, I think that uh, even for myself I forget that sometimes too I like to say well you know I was going through this or I was going through that but that's ultimately the same for me and I, I feel like um, it's probably safe to say for a lot of people is like we just enjoy getting high and escaping that reality and, and having. Oh, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, we really, really, really love it. <laughs> like, <I> love- <laughs> like we love yeah. it so intensely. Yeah. We love it so much more than anybody else who experiences it. I remember <laughs> the first time I got high and drunk at the same time. Uh-huh. We're uh, walking with my buddies and uh, we're outside on a, on, a, on a sidewalk, and I stopped. And I grabbed them by their shoulders, and I said, "Look at me." <laughs> I go, "Do you, do you guys feel the way I feel right now?" <laughs> like, like, it was, like it, it was, it was to the next level. It was a different dimension. You know, if uh, if if you're in recovery, they have the from uh, the book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they have the promises that are read at some of the meetings, right? The nine step promises. Yeah, yeah. And at that, at that moment, all of those promises came true for me, like the first time. <laughs>
0: Like we really, really, really
1: like it. And that's yeah. the problem.
0: <laughs> well, I have people ask me too, well, what did it feel like to be high on ecstasy or what, you know, ecstasy was a, a great example for this, uh, for this uh, example in, in particular, because I would say, well, imagine, imagine that um, you win the lottery Okay, I can only imagine what that feels like. That's what ecstasy feels like, and then imagine you lose all that money the next day when the ecstasy wears off. That's pretty much how it feels, <laughs> and then you got to deal with life again. And so that cycle, there, man, you start getting caught in that, and uh, uh, man, it can be it can be absolutely brutal. Um, yeah,
1: that's it, man. That's a great that's a great description. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, you.
0: absolutely, man. I I love it. Um, <laughs> so so you're you're living this new lifestyle, and I mean. Got to be just intense. Uh, A young kid right out of high school, this new career, like life just flips 180. Now you're starting to get, you know, get girls coming on to you and alcohol and drugs and you're on TV and like this whole, this whole persona and and lifestyle is born. Um, Take us through, take us through, you know, how that becomes, how that gets to where it starts to become an issue when you start really. Um, abusing alcohol, drugs and start to realize like, Hey, you know, I might have a problem. It wasn't until
1: after I got fired. Um, so I came in, I signed a three-year contract and I became this, this persona and my whole image and self-esteem and self-worth was wrapped up in this job. Mm. And, and that's what it was. It was a job. It wasn't who I was, right? But I got that, I got that mixed up because I didn't have the tools to kind of understand to see what it was. Yeah. Um, and so, when that, when they fired me a year in, uh, you know, you, you, you go, you, you. <laughs> it's a great example of winning a lottery and then losing it all the next day. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. because then, then the job goes, right? So, now the job's gone. It's like, oh, shit, what do I do now? And then, the fame fades away, and it fades away a lot quicker than you would imagine. Yeah. You you're off for TV for two weeks, and then people have no idea who you are. Wow. Um, so when the when the fame starts to go away, then it's like, all right, uh, well I still have you know my lifestyle, and I still have uh, the girlfriends, and I still have the money. Uh, but then the money dries up because there's no money coming in, hmm. right? Yeah. And then once the money dries up, and then the girls stop hanging. And it's like, all of a sudden.
0: The dominoes like, fall, huh?
1: Yeah, man. The house of cards, dude. And, I, and, and, and I'm laying in a pile of 52 pickup. And, wow. and I don't know what's going on. Um, but the one thing that was consistent and the one thing that brought me relief was drugs and alcohol. And yeah. they never went away. In fact, yeah. they, 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 they were in my life a lot more at this point. And people, you know, they draw this conclusion of like, oh, because you're a WWE or, or, or and that's why you got fired and that's why you're an addict and all that it's like no man I I, I was primed for it I just needed the uh, the I just needed one straw to break that camel's back yeah you know yeah. I had trauma in my childhood I, I have an, there's definitely a <laughs> on my father's side there's a strong gene for, uh, for addiction and uh, and so I you know the 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 crock pot had all the ingredients in it we just needed to turn it on. Um, and that's what, you know, me getting fired kind of did for me.
0: Would you um, you say that was, was that a low point or the low point of your, of your, uh, addiction around that time?
1: No, that was the start of it. That was the start of it.
0: What was the low point for you?
1: Um, there's, there's, there's a number of them, man. Uh, there, there, there really is, uh,
0: Well, let, let, let me, let me rephrase that because maybe, maybe it's not, maybe that's, I I don't really feel like that's really such an important question as you you hit a low point, but what is the turning point of that low point? Maybe I can ask it like that instead.
1: Sure. Sure. It's a great question because it was, it was, it was gradual and it was, there was this incidents after incidents. Um, and there was, there was so much, uh, confusion. I'll tell you the low point and I can speak in, in vague terms. Yeah. Um, and, and give you a, a, I can paint you a picture. The low point for me was when the drugs and alcohol stopped working. Hmm. And so, so I knew that I had to change, right? I knew that a change had to be made if I wanted to be reasonably happy. Um, yeah. and so I'm a pretty intelligent guy. So the problem of course was the drugs and alcohol. So I stopped, I stopped doing drugs and I stopped drinking. Um, but the problem for me was, my life got considerably worse when I stopped. <laughs>
0: That's funny so, how that happens. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, what yeah. is
1: going on? So then I would pick up again,
0: yeah. and
1: then my life would get worse.
0: Yeah,
1: and then I would stop, and then my life got worse. And I'm like, and so it the, a real low point was the absolute confusion and hopelessness of my situation because I couldn't use and drink. And I could not use a drink and I didn't know what to do so it got to the point where I something inside of me broke I think where I just stopped caring I didn't care if I got high I didn't care if I didn't get high I just stopped caring I would get upset if I woke up in the morning because that means I'd have to face another day of yeah. life and it did nothing mattered it just it was so gray um, that nothing mattered yeah. um, and and it was so weird that turning point happened when, you know, I'm, I'm back home living with my mom and uh, she pulls me aside. And she said, you know, Zach, we're concerned about what's happening. Like, what's going on with you? Like, are you are you on drugs? I, do, do you need help? Like, what's happening? And uh, for some I didn't I didn't care to the point where I was I was actually honest with her. <laughs> That's how much I didn't care. <laughs> I said, listen, <laughs> I said, mom, and here's the honest to God's truth. I'm sober right now, uh, but next week I won't be, and I know that for a fact. And I don't want to be high next week, uh, but I know I will be high, and I, I don't know what to do, and I'm scared. I said the words, "I'm scared," and I don't know what to do, um, and that was the first domino in the chain of dominoes that fell for me in terms of getting treatment, and then and then being sober from that point on.
0: That's crazy, man. That's like it's that point of uh, of complete just. almost surrender where you say like, I'm scared. Like you're literally at that, at that point where you you don't know what to do. And I've been there too, man. (laughs) And it's just like, but, but you know, what's funny. I'm wondering if you, if you can relate to this at all too, because I remember that moment and I've talked about this before a little bit, but I remember that moment when I said to my, to my wife initially was the first person I ever said it to was I'm an alcoholic and I need help. And I remember the fear in that and the, you know, the confusion and the, um the way that it made me feel to 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 know that I was about to say it, even before the words just started to creep up my throat and come out my mouth like yeah. but afterwards bro like there was this there was this weird nostalgic feeling of like this weight just lifted off of me even though I knew there was this like super long battle ahead and I was going to have to go to rehab and I knew I was like kind of letting the cat out of the bag like did you kind of feel anything like that when you when you finally just kind of admitted to it too
1: Yes yeah and thank you for saying that There was a conflict, though. There was one (laughs) element of that, but also it was the weirdest thing. It was like an out-of-body experience, and I was looking down at myself saying these words, and then in in my head, I'm like, Zach, shut the fuck up. You're blowing your cover. (laughs) Yeah, dude, totally, I go, you're blowing your cover. Like, if you say this,
0: something's going to happen, and you're not going to be able to get high.
1: That's exactly (laughs) So there was like these two things going on at the same time.
0: So crazy, man. Yeah, you're giving up that that tool, you know, you know that the cat's out of the bag and that tool is going to be affected by it because now now people know, you know, but uh, man, that's uh, that's super interesting. So so what um, what what's the best thing? I'm just going to kind of fast forward here unless there's anything else you want to touch on. Uh, just feel free to to jump in. But, um, you know, you go through recovery, you go through treatment, um, you know, now how, how, how long have you been sober for, Zach?
1: Um, A little
0: over seven years, seven years. Okay. So, um, in that time, um, you know, what's, what is one of the best things for you about living a life, you know, not only just free from alcohol and drugs, that's definitely the face of it. Um, but when we work a program and I'm still learning this on the daily, there's much more to it, uh, just than not drinking or using drugs. It's really about how to learn to deal with life and, relationships and and all the good things that, that, uh, that come in life and also dealing with the struggles. Um, what's one of the the best tools that you use, uh, to really help you through that on the day to day basis.
1: For me, it comes down to connecting with another alcoholic or an addict Mm -hmm. and just sharing that connection. Um, I find so, and it, it goes, it even, it goes back to my first, my first days in treatment when you know, I'm in this facility with, uh, in, and in my wing, there were like 13 of us um, with like 13 other dudes who spoke my language. Yeah. Um, and yeah. to me, that was so powerful. I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. That's so powerful. Like, there's so much hope in that. <laughs> yeah. um, and then and to, to this day, I still, that's why I say I'm an alcoholic and addict, because I still think like one. But I still have a brain of an alcoholic and addict, I'll still revert to, you know, self-pity and um, uh, anger and fear and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, and, and then I'll kind of bottle it up and I won't share it. But as soon as, and and but the, the, the number one true way for me to kind of find some relief is by connecting with somebody else who's been through similar experiences or just a like-minded individual. Um, and to me, that, 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 that changes my whole perspective on everything, man. Um yes. it was so funny. Dude, uh, <laughs> real quick. Yeah. A couple of days ago, a good example of that. Um before a meeting, I get a text from my buddy saying that there's a new the new uh Nintendo Switch uh bundle <laughs> is on sale at GameStop, uh-huh. right? And I've wanted a Nintendo Switch for a while. I like you talk what's, about video game a, addiction. What's a
0: Nintendo Switch?
1: So it's the new Nintendo system, and it's
0: Really, Fucking I didn't know awesome. they came out with them. I, I just saw the I saw the one that they that they those bastards made sure that they sold out of mm-hmm. around Christmas. The little NES, uh, yes, the throwback one, which was cool. This is this is this different. is
1: what brand new, yeah, different. Really? this is what Nintendo does. They limit their supply to drive up demand,
0: I, right? I and it's
1: it totally worked on me. Yeah, uh, they did that. With, <laughs> they did that with the one you're talking about, and they yeah. have the new one now that's sold out everywhere, and you can't get it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I got the alert that it's available, and I'm like yes finally and it's been out for months but it hasn't been available since it came out and uh uh long story short two minutes later uh i spent 600 dollars on this brand new thing without consulting my wife about it. <laughs> and we we share we share a bank account right uh-huh. and then all this instant like remorse and like why did i do that and then like my wife's gonna be so like i'm so impulsive yeah. and stupid at, so, at certain point, you know, and then I'm like carrying this around and then, and then so like, it, it's kind of beating me up, you know, and I talked to my wife about it and she's like surprisingly cool with it. Um, <laughs> but you know, we'll, 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 talk, we'll, we'll continue that conversation. But, uh, the point is I started carrying around this guilt and the shame and like, I'm so dumb. And why, why did I do that? And impulsive, that's old behavior. Like what's wrong with me? And then as soon as I, I shared the story with another alcoholic, yeah. And he started laughing, like the relief <laughs> came. That's it was—it so wasn't laughing at me. It was a yeah. laugh of recognition.
0: Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, what's well, a great and example, then, man? We still, we still have that impulsive personality, and you know, uh, th- thank God it wasn't a, a huge bag of dope. You know what I mean? That that you went out and <laughs> yeah. bought instead, but but still, it's the same concept. And uh, if we're not careful, and and we're not open about these things, um, you know, it's some something. something like that may seem silly to somebody who out there who doesn't understand what it's like to, to be locked up in addiction. But, um, to your point, it makes perfect sense to someone who does. And I think that, uh, your, your tool that you use in just connecting with another alcoholic or addict is huge. And we should all be, uh, you know, all of us who are dealing with that should, should be up at the, at the forefront of our recovery program.
1: Yeah, that works for me, man. You said it perfect.
0: Um, okay, well, I just uh, I, I want to be conscious of your time, man, I, dude. This has been one of my favorite conversations, man. I really appreciate you coming on. You're a great guy and just doing some amazing work. I'm I'm really looking forward uh, to looking into some more of your work now that we've got to uh, to chat and whatnot. Um, two two things. Let me get one last question off, and then we're going to talk about um, a, a climbing a volcano with the range of motion team that's uh, that that uh, you're uh, looking to do um, pretty soon. So. Uh, first I want to ask you this, um, for anyone out there listening, whether they're dealing with addiction or maybe they they have a family member who is, or maybe they're just dealing with a challenge in their life. Maybe it's something that has nothing to do with addiction. It's just we all do deal with challenges. Obviously you're a person who has faced many of these, um, you know, since you were a kid all the way through your adult life and into recovery. Now, um, if, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody out there listening, how, how do you create opportunity out of a challenge?
1: oh man that's what my whole keynote is about it's about taking <laughs> obstacles and challenges and turning them into opportunities in that and the, and, and the life is is in the middle that's mm-hmm. where that's where life exists is it, the life isn't about what happens to us it's about how we respond to what happens to us right And so for me um, the, the, the greatest thing uh, is for me is a total acceptance whatever the situation is and then i look at and i draw on a sheet of paper and this is a perfect exercise it's something i learned early on and something i still do and on one side of the column um are things i can control and on the other side are things i can't control right so there's two different columns so the things i can't control are simply if you boil them down my attitude my 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 actions and my reactions to life that's it and then on the things i can't control Go everything else, <laughs> literally, yeah. like everything else. <laughs> People, places, things, relationships, situations, events. I can't control any of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. But if I focus on myself, and if I ask for help, and if I take suggestions, I t- and I and I and I ask for guidance, um, and I take action, um, the things have a really great way of working themselves out. And it's not just like, you know, twenty percent of the time or fifty percent of the time. Yeah. For me, it's a it's one hundred percent of the time. If I focus on things I can control in my actions and I ask for help and I take guidance, things have always worked out for me that way. That's awesome, man.
0: That's awesome, man. That's great advice, man. I appreciate you dropping the little exercise too, because I do think that's a that's an important exercise, and it's something that's simple too. anybody can do it. You just uh, get a piece of paper and a pen and get after it. And there's something very powerful about writing writing this stuff out. So I'd encourage yes. anyone out there listening to uh, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper if you're if you're struggling with that right now, and and do the exercise Zach just mentioned because uh, I think it can really help. Um, so you're trying so you're trying to. Uh, you're trying to climb a volcano, man. Um, last thing before we wrap this up. what is the deal with that, dude? that's in that's sounds incredible. I don't know much about it. Uh, would you like to talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. I don't know much about it either. I guess I'll,
0: <laughs> Even I'll, I'll
1: figure it out. Like my, my motto in life is I'll figure it out. You know, yeah. like I, I, I didn't know how to be a wrestler. I didn't know how to be a speaker. I didn't know how to be uh, a, 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 a guy who climbs volcanoes, yeah. um, but I'll figure it out. And the, the, the deal is it's the range of motion project and what they do, it's a nonprofit and they provide proper prosthetic care uh, for people in developing countries. that don't have access to proper prosthetic care. Um, and it, it's a really powerful thing because what they do is they give the gift of, of mobility, wow. something we all take for granted uh, to people that don't have access to that. And then with that, you know, they can get back to work and they can provide for their families and communities. And it's a really a, a wonder. It's the most impressive. I, I went to the clinic last year in Guatemala to see them actually go to work uh, and do what they do. And it's the most impressive group of people I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's the greatest charity I've ever worked for in my life. Um, and so what we're doing this year is uh, uh, as a uh, in a, in a, in a, in a event of solidarity for the cause is me and 15 other amputees we're going to climb um, a volcano in Ecuador at the end of July um, and uh, in, an, in an effort to raise funds and awareness for the range of motion project um, and it's going to be an absolute epic event there's going to be Very literal and very metaphorical at the same time, you know, like, and it's just going to be something that I'm so glad I'm, I'm able to be a part of, you know, and that, and that's really what I see my life. I just do stuff in life. You know, last year it was a Ninja warrior thing. And this year I'm climbing a mountain. Who knows what's going to happen next year? Yeah. shit. uh, We didn't even talk about
0: the Ninja warrior thing, man. That's unbelievable too. We'll put a link to the, we'll put a link to the YouTube, uh, the YouTube, uh, Uh, piece in there, and, and, and folks can check that out too, because that's that's a whole nother another part of this journey for you. Uh, that was just in 2016, right?
1: Yeah, that was last that was last summer, um, and, and and really, it's it's all, all of this is the same to me, whether it's Ninja yeah. Warrior or at a school or WWE or climbing a mountain. These are just platforms for me to sure. to carry a message of hope, man. and I, I'm excited about life, and uh, and I'm excited to, uh, to 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 finally be part of life. And, uh, I celebrate that every day, man.
0: Well, it's great. It's great to, uh, to talk to you and your excitement. Let me just tell you right now. Um, obviously we haven't met in person. I hope to do that one day, man, but your excitement bleeds through and it's just, um, it's very encouraging and exciting to meet people like you and to, to get to talk to people like you. I'm really honored to do so. And please let us know, uh, let me know when, um, as the the climb of the volcano gets closer and as you're starting to um, to, uh, to to promote that and look at it more if there's anything we can do to help man I'd love to just plug it on the show as it gets closer and, and help you guys in any way we can it's super cool.
1: That'd be great. Well right now there's a we I'm crowdfunding this whole trip. Awesome. Um and yeah and so it's uh, if you go to crowd, crowdrise.com crowdrise.com forward slash Zach Gowan uh, all one word there's a link there to, to so if, if you're inspired to help or any of your listeners are inspired to help, whatever that looks like, uh, if you could help me get there, um, that would be that would be terrific. Because, you know, it's definitely definitely going to be something that that that's going to cost it a little bit. Um, and then, of course, to raise money for the for the for the wonderful project as well. Uh, that would be awesome
0: man yeah that's that's great we will uh we'll be sure th- uh, that link folks will be in the show notes as well as um if you want to check out uh zach's top 30 moves uh in, in wrestling which is super cool to uh to take a look at um and then uh zachgowan.com if you'd like any more information and then if anyone re- wants to reach out to you or find mo- more info uh, is there anything else uh, or is there anywhere else they could do that at zach
1: yeah all the social all, all the social media stuff is at zach Gowan um, also if you go to zachgowan.com and click on the contact fill out that form that goes right to my email and uh, I'll be happy to be in touch with you
0: Awesome, man. Well, thanks again uh, for coming on today and sharing a bit about your story, about your recovery. Uh, truly inspirational and pretty amazing, man. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Shane. Thanks so much for having me, man. I've I probably got more out of this than, than anybody else. So I'm
0: grateful for that. <laughs> thanks for listening today. For more informational resources, go to www.thatsoberguy.com. Peace, love, respect, keep your blood.